Hello out there and welcome. My name is Sharon Frosha and I am the Chief Operating Officer for the Discover Your Path U platform where we believe that every life can teach and everyone can grow. I am also the host of this show, The Connection Sessions, in which we bring together practitioners, entrepreneurs, artists, marketers, spiritualists, mentors, and students to collectively learn from each other's best practices and to authentically create our own. And today I have with me someone that I have grown to sincerely respect and adore, not only as a coworker, but also as a friend, Mr. Paul Leslie, who runs Springs Recovery and is also a sober member of a 12-step fellowship. Paul, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us your story to becoming a recovery coach and how that's affected your own personal life. Well, thank you, Sharon. Great introduction there. And uh, thank you. I feel the same about you. I've been following you and we've gotten to do a couple of triads together and uh, yeah, digging it. I, I love meeting people like you that uh, light other people up. Um, so addiction and recovery. Uh, so my story or my path to recovery started actually in 2010. Um, I found myself in Phoenix, Arizona in the middle of summertime. Uh, I'd been drinking way too much vodka. And so with the heat down there, drinking alcohol versus water, uh, I felt like something was wrong with me, uh, like physically uh, at the time. And I ended up calling 911 on myself. And they, they took me to the hospital. And, you know, they, they let me chill out on, on one of the beds for a couple, three hours. They didn't hook me up with any IVs or anything. And, and I, I, they kicked me out. And I walked outside and I, I uh, lit up a cigarette. I smoked back then. And, and I just felt even worse than when I'd called 911 on myself. So I walked right back inside and told them, no, something's wrong. This time they took me a little more serious. They did some blood work and found out that my cardiac enzymes were all out of whack. <clears throat> Here I am, 35 years old at the time, uh, and one step short of having a heart attack or a stroke. Wow. Alcohol. Uh, I spent uh, three days in the hospital. I felt like a million bucks when I got out. I'm like, man, I'm never drinking again. Three hours later, I got a pint of vodka in my hands. I take one sip, I gag on it, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? Um, and I called a, a dear childhood friend of mine, uh, and I'm just, I, I was, it, it broke me. That, that the little moment when I took that sip and gagged on it, and it just broke me. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? You know, I just about, I could have just died. Uh, so he helped me get into a, a sober living environment in Phoenix called Solutions. Mm -hmm. uh, and I did a 90 and 90 program there. So the 90 days, 90 meetings, I did way more than 90 meetings. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, and I stayed sober for about a year after that. The problem was for me, and this is where addiction and recovery uh, understanding the different bet difference between need and want. Mm -hmm. At the time, I knew I needed it, but I didn't necessarily want it. 
Yep. So fast forward a year from that, you know, that little stint in the hospital and I'm drinking again. All it took was going out on a date. Somebody uh, offered me a beer. I wanted to fit in and I took it. And, uh, you know, fast forward to 2016 and I'm on death's door again. I'm like an old man shuffling around. My body's shutting down. My stomach's all messed up. Um, I can't, you know, it won't empty. So I can't like drink properly. I can't even drink because my body's just not accepting it. And I had this thought. I had this amazing epiphany. I thought I should just end it because I could not consider life with alcohol or without it. I was just in a very low place. And I thought about, you know, killing myself. And the second I had that thought, it was like a thunder clap to the chest or a mule kick to the chest. I don't really know how to put words to it. Uh, but my higher power spoke to me and it said, no, no, you do not. You have not done what I put you here to do. Get to work. Uh, three days later, I found myself in the rooms of AA again. But this time I wanted it. I was to the point where I was going to be like Forrest Gump while he's in boot camp. And uh, the drill sergeants asked him what his, you know, sole purpose in that army is. And Forrest Gump just replies to do whatever you tell me, drill sergeant. And that's what, that's, that was my approach to recovery. I was willing to do anything anybody told me, no matter what to never be in that place again. So, but the path to recovery coaching um, started there. You know, I got a little recovery time in me. I started sponsoring people, but I was left with that, 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 uh, that higher powers voice in my ear. You have not done what I put you here to do. You need to get to work. And so for me, just being sober and just, and I'm, I, I don't mean to diminish sponsors uh, in AA at all, but for me, sponsorship just wasn't enough. I knew I needed to be doing more. Uh, so I ended up, you know, I, I wanted to make some kind of impact in the world. And I, I was feeling drawn to that. And I tried other projects, like I, I had a marketing company and I thought, well, how can I make the most impact and do good in the world this way? So that's where the recovery coaching aspect started was I wanted to make an impact, but I wasn't quite sure how mm -hmm. to do that yet. And so, but AA taught me action. You know, you want to figure stuff out. You need to start taking action. It will come to you, but you have to do something. Yes. It doesn't matter what it is. You have to do something. So I kept trying all these different little things and I'm learning stuff online and, and, uh, somebody, I, I believe at, at some point I got a personal coach I, mm -hmm. and that was just dumb luck. Uh, somebody I had worked with as a copywriter years before hit me up on Skype to proofread some of her presentation materials. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I said, sure, you know, I'll do that. And, and it was for her life coaching uh, practice. And I, I just found it fascinating. 
And I'm like, I never knew you did this kind of stuff, Jen, you know? And she's like, oh, it's something I've been working on for years. And she offered to coach me for free if I would take care of all of her proofreading and editing and all of that stuff. And so I got a great deal, great coach. Uh, but it took me further down the recovery rabbit hole. I'm like, something's starting to click here, but I hadn't quite made the connection yet to recovery coaching. Um, but Jen, the coach, ended up sending me a Craigslist ad of all things for this opening at a rehab here in Colorado Springs for a house manager. And it was you know, I read it and I'm like, oh man, that sounds like a lot of work for just <laughs> a little bit of pay. But I was still hungry. You know, I was still hungry for, for recovery knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and so I took the, you know, I applied, I got the job, but I had that, that, that voice in my ear again, um, that this wasn't enough. I needed to be doing more. And I understand in recovery circles that, you know, that, that thing of you need to do more, you need more, you need more. It was starting to scare me because I'm like, well, I, I don't want to go down any kind of addiction rabbit hole again, no matter what it is. I got to be careful about what I obsess over. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they, they, they had this wonderful policy that you could request a coffee date from anybody in the company, from the CEO on down. Well, I wanted to meet with the head clinician and just sit down. Uh, he wasn't available, but the consultant for the clinicians was. And so I've got a coffee date with him. His name's Alan, wonderful man. He's been an addiction counselor for over 40 years. And we're just sitting there having a nice little coffee date and talking. And he's like, well, have you thought about getting your CAC, you know, your certified addiction counseling? I'm like, I don't, that, that doesn't really sing to me. Just the whole, you know, to me, it sounded like a lot of theory, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, theory didn't work. And I, I needed practical. And he's like, well, have you thought about recovery coaching? And I'm like, well, I've heard of it, but I don't really know anything about it. Well, anyway, because of his stature in the company, he arranged for me to take recovery coaching classes and become a certified recovery coach. And the company paid for it. Wow. And within 10 minutes of the first day of class, I was like, oh, yeah, it, it just sweet spot in alignment with who I am and my style and uh, as I understand it I'm one of those relational people versus behavioral yeah uh, so I don't really care about the behavior I want to know what's driving it mm -hmm. um, and that was true for myself uh, I didn't really care about the drinking itself I wanted to know why mm -hmm. and to uncover you know what was what was behind all of this so I get through the, the, the recovery coaching. I start volunteering for a company here, uh, an organization, sorry, they're a nonprofit. And, and that little voice again, you need to be doing more. 
so instead of doing it their own dysfunctional way, I wanted to do it my own dysfunctional way. <laughs> and so I stepped out and I created Springs Recovery. Awesome. Um, and just a little plug here, that's for <laughs> springsrecovery.com. Check it out. Uh, so, you know, I'm a certified recovery coach and I took it a step further. They had some more classes I could take for, you know, coaching in the hospital or medically assisted treatment. And, and so I've got the recovery coaching professional. <laughs> I don't know how professional I am, but, uh, again, uh, it, you know, and I, I started doing that and I started getting some clients and I'm in love with it. I'm still in love with it but it was very narrow in scope. I didn't want to just help people with just their recovery mm -hmm. because I understand and my understanding of addiction and alcoholism uh, is that it's just a symptom. It's yes. a symptom of a much different, I, I even hesitate to use the word illness because to me that's not quite right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we'd talked before uh, about it being an avoidance. Yes. And that, that was a huge discovery for me that my drinking was just how I tried to cope. It was your solution. Life. Yeah, that was my solution. Yeah. To, to not having to deal with life. You know, if something bugged me, I'd drink over it. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and drinking just became a way of life. But I found out uh, after sobriety that I had a lot of avoidance tendencies yes. uh, deeply seated into me and I wanted to root those out. And so, you know, I'd had a wonderful experience with, with a life coach and I, I wanted to know more. I'm like, okay, I get the recovery coaching aspect and a recovery coach uh, is there to help you through the recovery process. You know, because we've been there before and, and we've come out the other side and, and hopefully some of us have really, you know, taken life by the horns and taken a lot of responsibility for our lives. And for me, that was the key responsibility. Yep. Uh, and once I learned that the more responsibility, the more responsible I felt for my life, the better my life gets. Yes and to keep going after it. And it took me out of that whole victim mindset. Things no longer happen to me. Things happen, sure, um, but they no longer happen to me. Yeah. And that was a huge shift for it me. Is. And once I got that, that, okay, this happened, what are you gonna do about it? Because you have a choice. I have a choice on how I respond to life and to be able to just pause and decide how I want to respond to something instead of just reacting. Um, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm human. I still react. <laughs> I still have those snap reactions, those snap judgments um, about a lot of things. Uh, but for the most part, I get to choose, you know, how I want to respond to say, a prickly person you know, somebody who's verbally attacking me or whatever and usually you'll see this <laughs> up, and it's not meant to like make fun of them or anything but 
it, it comes from two things, understanding a little bit about what's going on and then also being in alignment with source or higher power yeah. and just being present. Uh, so hopefully you can help me uh, stay on track here, Sharon. Absolutely. So in any direction, here. I have to tell you, number one, okay. the best stories I've ever heard have always started with. So I called 911 on myself. Those are always <laughs> hands down the best stories in AA, but like you were saying, we were talking earlier before we came on about how addiction really is just avoidance and alcohol or whatever substance it is that I use is actually my solution to the problem, which is me. And that every person, not just the people that end up on skid row or in the hospital, in the ER after having called 911 on themselves, not just those people, but every single human being has those patterns of avoidance in our bodies and in the way that we react to the world because we genuinely inside are terrified and don't believe that we have the ability to meet those challenges in any other way than to run. So for you as both a recovery and a life success coach, how do you help your clients identify those patterns of avoidance and take up that mantle of responsibility that gives us all the change that we're really looking for? Uh, great question, uh, and, and it goes back to two things. Um, understanding that no matter what's going on, that it's not happening to me, mm. that is just happening, and then to be solution-minded about it. Well, what are you going to do about it? And that's a great question that I ask myself all the time, is not get stuck in the problems. Mm -hmm. you know, stuff comes up, uh, and it's going to keep coming and coming and coming and it's <laughs> little some of it's huge yeah. and none of that matters and just understanding and, and and flowing into it and understanding that no matter what goes on things are going to keep coming at me mm -hmm. uh, but it's not personal nothing's personal no and to just stay like well what do you want to do about it Mm -hmm. uh, and the and I get those those feelings in my chest when when something throws me for a loop that maybe makes me want to go you know hide in the closet under a blanket with the lights off uh, is to walk towards it to lean into my problems yes um, and that's 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 the responsibility part I love that answer I when I first realized the, the twofold nature of the first step admitted that we were powerless over alcohol, dash, that our lives had become unmanageable, and that those two things weren't actually related. Those were, I'm screwed when I'm drinking and I'm screwed when I'm not. Like there's no place in which I'm not screwed. That that was such a revelation to me that it's it's never been, for me it was meth and ecstasy. It was never about the meth, the ecstasy, the alcohol, whatever it is that I took to avoid myself. It was always about the fact that I knew intrinsically somewhere inside that I was screwed either way. So when you have a client that comes to you in that, in that place of desperation where they've, kindly, they've, they've kind of finally had the aha that, oh, I'm in a lot of trouble here. What are some of the ways that you use your compassion and your ability to look back on your own story to help them understand that this seems scary, but there's always a way out? 
Well, great question. And the question I ask is, what do you want to do about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, because ultimately, that that is the question that delivers results. Um, because if, if if I just stay, oh, this is happening. Oh, this is happening. Oh, this is happening, and just stay in that that uh, that uh, recirculating yeah you know, uh, pattern in there. Uh, and I'm a loss for words. Sorry, I'm still a little bit tired from my. That's ex- okay. I think what you're talking about is, you know, how the resentment in the Latin means to rethink and to refuel. Yep. So then something yes, the, happens. What I call the feedback loop yeah. from hell. Yeah. Yep. And then you, you just, just keep reliving it. And I just ask them the question: What do you want to do about it? Yeah. Um, and even if they say I don't know, uh, that's really irrelevant. <laughs> it's just to get them asking that question. What yes. do I want to do about it? Taking that responsibility. Yep. And, and trying to break that pattern, break out of that feedback loop. Um, you know, and I, I still have days where maybe I'm feeling a little low or, you know, and I have this, this uh, you know, the, the poor me, you know, syndrome. Yeah. And, I'll, oh, man, can't believe this. And I can just start reliving it over and over and over again in my head. And it's that feedback loop. Second, I ask that question, well, what am I going to do about it? And I start looking for solutions and I start doing things to pull myself out. So for me, like I I get on those, those, uh, what's the word that, oh, poor me, poor me. Oh, um, pity, (laughs) self-pity. Self-pity, yeah. When I get into a little bit of self-pity, uh, I will realize I'm in self-pity, and then I'll start taking steps to get out of it. I'll do a, a gratitude practice. Uh, I'll meditate. Uh, I'll go exercise. It doesn't really matter what I do. Once I realize I'm in self-pity, it's just that I'm doing something, knowing that I'm doing it to help myself out of that loop. Yes. I, I know that one of the things that surprised me so much about doing the fourth and the fifth step, which is taking personal inventory and then sharing that with another person, is they trick you in the fourth step and they have you, you know, do it by column instead of cross line. So the first column is name everybody you're pissed at. And I could do that all day. I was like, <laughs> yes, this is my kind of place. And then you start going through the other columns and you realize, oh, these people tripped me. Because then you're actually looking at your part in it. And I think that for addicts and alcoholics especially, but even for an everyday person, it becomes really hard to own our responsibility because then we feel like, well, if it's my fault, me, me, I, I, bad, bad. And we fail to understand that responsibility is our power because if we're not responsible for it, we can't be responsible for the solution. So how do you help somebody identify the fact that if you helped create it, you can fix it, but if you didn't help create it, you can't fix it. Uh, And that's the the control aspect. uh, I believe you might be touching on there Uh, because ultimately the only thing we can control is ourselves. Uh, and when for me personally, and I know this is true for a lot of my clients is when I start trying to control others, that's when I get out of sorts. 
Um, yeah. and, and, oh man, it, it happens quick. It snowballs. <laughs> um, but to just, you know, I, I do a lot of, uh, internal stuff, uh, like meditations. Uh, it doesn't matter what kind, whether it be a, a moving meditation or uh, life visioning, you know, getting them to vision their future. Uh, the past is past. You, you can't do anything about it. Nope. Just accept it. Move on if you can, <laughs> you know, and, and, and patience, being yes. patient with yourself and understand that, you know, I'm 44 years old and it took me decades to get into the trench that I was into. Yeah. It's going to take me some time to get out too. So, and I understand that, you know, the, um, people can start beating up on themselves. Well, I shouldn't have done this, but that's just the ego again, uh, trying to assert control over something that can't be controlled because it's in the past. Yeah. So there's no controlling it. Indeed. Um, and, and so accepting uh, acceptance, uh, especially in AA, you know, they, they talk acceptance a lot and acceptance for me is, um, along the same lines as that, that personal responsibility, but just accepting that it, it happened. Yeah. Um, and, and that's it. You know, I, I, I would try to in the past and I still do it cause I'm human. Um, try to not just very simply and how do I word this? I think myself and a lot of people put too much onto things. Yeah. And I think the simpler we can make things, uh, the easier our life becomes. And acceptance is one of those things. Uh, you know, they, they ask, well, how do you, how do you accept that? That's unacceptable. And I'm like, it's what it happened. You, yeah. you really just accept it. Be like, yeah. okay, that happened. And then so that goes back to one of the last letters that Bill Wilson, who's the co-founder of AA, wrote in his life to a friend where he talked about the new frontier in Alcoholics Anonymous being emotional sobriety. In other words, not the physical sobriety, because it's the easiest thing in the world to not get drunk. You just don't drink. That's right. not a difficult thing. The difficult thing is maintaining that emotional balance so that you don't want to drink to get away from yourself. So how do you help your clients with emotional sobriety, even if it's not a drug or, or a substance that they're using, if they're using maybe uh, cheating as a way to deal with the, and being unhappy in their relationships, or they have a kid and they can't deal with the child, so they abandon the child. How do you teach your clients to be able to work with that pattern of emotional sobriety so it doesn't result in those things that cause us so much discomfort and pain? Whew, that's like a encyclopedia Britannica <laughs> selection of topics in there. How do I get them to do that? Um, and, and it goes back to that, that victimhood consciousness. Yeah. Um, I, I believe there's several levels of consciousness. And unfortunately, a lot of us are indoctrinated into the first one or the lowest one, uh, which is the victimhood. Yeah. And, you know, things are happening to us. Uh, and I want to take them to the next level. 
is that things happen because of us. Mm. Um, so there's two more beyond that, but we'll stick with those two right now. Going from things happen to me to things happen because of me yes. and getting them to look at um, the decisions that they have made or are currently making uh, that are causing the pain that they're in. Uh, you know, if they're, if they're out there cheating on their spouse, it's as simple as asking themselves, why, why did I do that? What made me decide to do that? Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times, you know, the, the answer will come back. Well, because so-and-so did this or so-and-so did this, like, no, what made you go sleep with this person? Yeah. What was it about this person? That, that made you want to, to do that with them. So let's take the other person out of the equation. Let's start talking about what you're doing and your decisions and digging deep into your decision-making process and owning that crap. Good or bad, it doesn't matter. It's already happened. There's nothing you can do to change it. But understanding why you're making the decisions you're making and accepting that you are a human being um, and some of the decisions we make ain't pretty. <laughs> Indeed. You know, and it's okay. Yes, it's it all is. okay, you know. Uh, and, and I get, you know, the, the people out there like the, well, you know, what if somebody beat you up or raped me or stuff like that? And it's like, okay, yes, there is a difference between responsibility and fault. Mm -hmm. It Something can absolutely be somebody's fault, but is your or my responsibility on what I'm going to do with it. How I'm going to respond, yeah. Yes. And so, again, it comes back to that, getting them to take responsibility for their decisions. Awesome. Well, Paul. Of what people say or do. Believe it or not, the half hour is gone. That's probably what? the fastest the half hour has ever gone by for me. I absolutely loved having you on the show today. Unlike you, I could talk about recovery 24-7 for the rest of my life and never get bored. If anyone is watching who is currently struggling with a pattern of either avoidance or addiction in your life that you do not know how to address but are ready to address, I would strongly suggest that you get a hold of Paul at Springs Recovery. If you are a coach or another compassionate care professional watching this who either has clients who are struggling with those patterns or would like to know for future reference how to deal with a client who's exhibiting those patterns, I would also strongly recommend that you get a hold of Paul at Springs Recovery. His contact information is in the text of this live. It will also be in the text of the YouTube video that will be released later on today, as well as in our podcast. So Paul, as always, thank you so much, buddy, for coming and talking to me, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with our listeners and our watchers. I sincerely appreciate you, and I know that your clients appreciate you and the growth and the change that you've made in your own life as well. So thank you so much. Thank you to our audience. Thank you to Monique, Andrea, Stephen, and Sarah for coming and spending time with us. And to everybody else who will watch behind, if you do, please just drop us a replay and let us know that you came by and checked this out. As always, guys, thank you so much for showing up, and we will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thank you, Sharon. My pleasure.